Well, you cannot start with the water or the sand. You'll never get the rocks in. And the whole point is you have to start all of your plans in your life with your rocks. So I tell people the most important thing you can ever do is sit down on a piece of paper and draw seven rocks and name them. And and those are the most important things to you. But if you are not very clear what your rocks are and you always focus on, on the water and the sand, you will never make time for the rocks. Identify the rocks very clearly, and then you start figuring out, okay, what are the what are the smaller stones? What are the pebbles? And then you start realizing everything else is irrelevant. Like you don't have time for those things. Are you looking for true personal freedom? The freedom to design the life you truly desire? Then you're absolutely in the right place. True personal freedom comes from when you take 100% responsibility and control of your money and your mind. Here you're going to learn ideas, tips, and wisdom that's going to help you bridge the gap from where you are now to your dream life in the future. My name is Randy Wilson and welcome to the Rich Mind Podcast. Okay everybody, welcome back to the Rich Mind Podcast. Today coming to you with a fantastic guest, Tammy Thrasher Mitchell from East Texas. Longview, Texas. If anybody knows where Longview is, I've not been to Longview yet, but hey, East Texas, that's kind of what I always say. But anyway, she's a successful mother of two. She's a successful entrepreneur. She's an investor. She's uh, fantastic in terms of capital, debt, uh, structured debt for uh, poor investments, for financial freedom, for all of the things that we stand for here on the podcast, the personal development. Uh, she's a master connector. She loves connecting folks with with other people. She knows what you're looking for. She probably knows somebody that can help you do those things, which is super fun as well. Tammy and I have got to know each other over the last couple of years, and it's really been a joy, and I'm super excited to bring her on and introduce you to the listener here today. So Tammy, welcome to the show. Randy, thank you so much. It was such an honor that you asked me to to reach out and, and uh, see if I was interested in joining. And Absolutely. I, I love the opportunity. Our conversations are always great. Um, but you're talking about, you know, the things you talk about are some of my favorite subjects. And so uh, I thought, well, why not? Let's just go have a great conversation. And if it can bring some value to anybody, that's a bonus. Well, that's the plan, right? So we just, as a lot of times with these podcasts, we get going with a conversation prior to hit and record. And we just got done talking for quite some time. And we finally said, hey, it's time. Hit record. Let's see if we can't get some of this uh, out there for folks to learn from, which, so I'm super excited about that. But to start off with, can you give everybody a little bit of better backstory about you, about where you're from? I mentioned that you're from East or live currently in East Texas, but yeah. I know your journey's obviously been a little bit more than that. Can you share with a little bit uh, with the sure, about Absolutely. Yourself? So um, I'm an army brat. So born abroad, moved back to the States um, and have traveled around the U.S. And um, actually not only I've lived in I think seven, I think seven states. I lost track, but I've lived in, in like seven states, 12, 14 cities. And uh, so I've, I, you know, I am a Texan. It's, it's home, but I've, I've hit different parts of the country. I've lived in the snow. Don't love it. That's not for me. Um, I definitely prefer the South. I am a warm weather gal. I spent some time on the West Coast, um, about a decade out there and, and truly loved it. It's such a beautiful place. 
Uh, but very glad to be back in Texas. And uh, I've got a lot of family here. Uh, my my daughter, who she's an adult, so uh, I was very blessed that she opted to move back to Texas after spreading her wings and moving around the world. She she went from we once we settled in Texas and she did some college here. She went to Australia where she met her now husband, who's French. So then they went to France. And um, a couple of years ago, they came back to Texas. So they're in Austin, Texas, Longview, Texas. We're on the interstate. We're what they call a a, a small city or a giant town, about 100,000 people. We have every major service that you need. Um, all the chain restaurants are here. So we, you know, we, we used to go to Dallas for shopping. Now we don't really need to, but we still go to Dallas for fun and Houston and Austin. So everything's a drive. Um, but it's okay. We, we live behind the pine curtain. It's beautiful here. Um, great people. It really is such a friendly place. And so lake life, pine trees, rolling hills, people don't really imagine it's as beautiful here as it is until they get out here. Like, oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. Um, it's kind of like Seattle without the mountains. So, okay. Okay. That's cool. So how far is it approximately just to give people a little bit of an idea from DFW, the Dallas area, how far is it approximately? Yeah. So I can get to downtown Dallas in about two hours from my house. Okay. DFW is two and a half to three, throw in some traffic and accidents. You never know. So you, <laughs> you count on four or five. <laughs> four. You just never know. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. I, I, teleporting would come in very handy. Yeah. Or a quick it. jet, a jet out back, right? Take off. Yeah. From, yeah. Some, <laughs> some road there. Yeah, it would be very nice. If I'm flying, I actually tend to fly out of our regional airport where parking is still free. Uh, The TSA line is about two people long and uh, you get on a puddle jumper with 18 other passengers and jet over to Dallas, um, do a layover and hit the road to wherever's next. But so, yeah, so it's it's about two hours to two to two and a half hours to Dallas uh, and then three to, well, four hours to Houston, an hour to Shreveport, uh, a couple you know, a couple hours to hot springs. So we're in the Arklatex. So I have the benefit of several states all around me. So I, I can actually get to Oklahoma, Arkansas, and Louisiana faster than Dallas. Arklatex. I don't think I've ever heard you or anybody ever say that before. That's that's interesting. Arklatex. I that makes total sense. I know exactly what you're meaning, but I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. I knew you were real close to Louisiana, but now the more that I think about it, yeah, you would be really centered, centrally yeah. located, right? Amongst all those different states. Yeah. Yeah, Oklahoma is kind of left out in that, but it's there. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. It's there. Yeah, I I actually have a cousin who's in Oklahoma. So anyways, well, what I like to do is I like to start off everybody with a few questions just to kind of get some of the conversation going a little bit. But the first question I usually ask is who has been the biggest influence on your life? At this stage, you know, there have been so many. Um, And I, I would say that... Definitely, ultimately, my father was the greatest influence in my life. And he's, uh, he, he passed away, gosh, 24 years ago this June. So I've lived, I'm going on, like, I was 26 when he passed. So it's, it's a long time you know, that I've not had my dad, but he's still very present actually to me. Um, He had a significant impact on my life because um, most importantly, my dad is the person who introduced me to Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar and Paul Harvey um, and Ann Landers and Dear Abby. Like my dad was the person who really instigated um, personal development into my life. And my dad was highly intelligent. Uh, He was, he, 
was chemical engineer by trade, but he was an, kind of this secret aspiring entrepreneur and helped my mom launch her entrepreneurial businesses. And so she she was the queen of all the, the uh, multi-level marketing companies like Avon and Mary Kay and Tupperware and Herbalife. I'm trying to think like they just, they did many things. So I, I was kind of, you know, since both my parents have passed now and I've been going through things and I was going through documents and realized both my parents actually got their real estate license, which I did not know until mm. recently. Wow. And, um, as you know, I have, I've had a real estate license for 26, 27 years now. So I, I don't necessarily practice, but I've maintained my license. True. Um, and, and then my daughter got a license. I was like, wow, three generations had a real estate license. Okay. Well, it's kind of interesting, but yeah, my dad was, he was, he was just really intentional, very intelligent. Uh, I'm the oldest of six kids. So I was his guinea pig. So he, and I had a lot of quality time together through the years, but you know, he just really instilled in me. I, I think most importantly, he instilled in me the idea that it was okay to question things. Like he even told me it was okay to question him. Uh, he just had a couple of ground rules for that, and the they were pretty the, the, they were pretty simple. Uh, the first one was that I needed to be respectful in our exchange of disagreement, and the second rule was that I needed to be sure that the ideas that I had adopted were my own, that I had processed them, I had questioned them, I had challenged them, and that I was willing to fight for them as my own that they represented my thoughts and beliefs and I wasn't just echoing somebody else's or something that I read. Um, and that I also, the third rule was that I needed to be willing to change my mind or accept I was wrong um, through further conversation and evaluation, which That's made awesome. it very safe for me to, to be curious, which as you know, is probably why I am such a curious person because he made it very safe for me to be curious and ask questions. And, and like you said, the safety of, of being in that space allows you then to continue to ask questions of anybody, uh, including like when we've met, right? I mean, the, the conversations that have come up have been fantastic, but it's all, I didn't realize that. I don't think you've shared that with me, how that stemmed back from, from your father. So that's, that's super cool, which I'm sure has served you in many aspects of your life, either from just normal personal relationships, from even into the business world, I would assume. Absolutely. Everything. Um, it's, it's made me a little bit of a maverick in the sense where I've been brave to go down the road less traveled. Um, I've been willing to explore things. I, I definitely, I, I, I'm a risk taker, but a mindful risk taker, right? Uh, I'm never willing to risk things that I'm not okay losing, you know, and that can include relationships, right? So uh, it can, it's risky to today, especially it's risky to have your own thoughts that differ from what everybody tells you to think about things. Um, and so I, I'm willing to explore investment opportunities. Not everybody will look at, I'm willing to question how things are done, why things are done. And, and as we grow, we do risk relationships because we're probably outgrowing people around us. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I said, my dad is the person who introduced me to Jim Rohn and Jim Rohn said, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Right. And that doesn't, and one of the things I've learned is that doesn't have to be people that you are in proximity of. 
in the same way. When I first heard that, I thought that as well, right? It took me a little bit to understand that as well. So please elaborate on that because I, I agree with that too. Yeah, so it can be the the, the people. So I consider my circle to be the people that, yeah, and I don't even necessarily talk to them the most, but they're the per- the people that I put the most weight and, and value in our exchange. Like, And so I can go three or four weeks without talking to one of my five. But when we talk, it is more significant than the people I wave at at the grocery store every day, right? So it's it's a combination of frequency and depth. And so the people I see, I, 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 I literally will go to the grocery store every day because I like to cook and I like to cook fresh food. So it's not unusual for me to go to the store and see the people every day, but they are not my five, even though I see them a lot. But the people that I am engaging with, and it doesn't even have to be somebody who's alive. Like I consider Napoleon Hill one of my five, right? Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, Napoleon Hill. Um, they are all people that are no longer present or I didn't get the company of even when they were, but their content is rich in my life. It is daily. It is, it is constant consumption of their thinking and their ideologies and it impacts and influences my responses, my, my strategic thinking, my, my emotional intelligence, the others that I, and I would say, I don't live in a thought process if I just have five, because I do have kind of have my virtual, I have my in-person, but I, I really good at differentiating and discerning how much weight I give the people, how, you know, because the truth is like, you can sometimes feel guilty when somebody says, Ooh, I don't know that that's a good idea for you to do that. Right. Because my mom used to say that to me a lot when she was around, Ooh, is that, do you really feel good about traveling and going to these masterminds or these meetings all the time in Dallas? You're away from home so much when you do that. And I understood what she was saying. She wanted me to be present to love my family the way she loved hers. And I said, yes, I I understand. I hear you, but I have to go fill my tank. And my regeneration comes being surrounded with like-minded people and my tribe is in my mastermind group, or it's at the conferences I'm going to where I'm either speaking at or have the opportunity to connect with other people. And, and not only am I educating them, they're educating me, there's this reciprocity at a level and and an intensity and a speed factor that I don't get in my everyday life. You know, I have my everyday tribe, and then I have my impact tribe. So that's one thing that I had to discover on my own on the 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 five people, right? I heard Jim talk about that in my ear, right? From his recordings over and over and over. I was always to myself. I always, I was brought up basically to just kind of, my parents never really, they ventured with friends, didn't do a whole lot, which kind of led into me being the same way, right? My wife and I, we just kind of stayed very reclusive. But when we started to adventure out meeting folks, I'll be honest, when I met you at, at the event, uh, the first time, I was a little bit out of my element because that was one of the first times that I had really put myself out there to try to get to know and meet people. But I knew that it was the right place, right? That's the thing is I knew it in my mind, but in my body was kind of fighting back with some different reactions, you know, sweaty palms, race, you know, racing heart. But what I will say is that in the encouragement for the listeners is that doing those things, putting yourself in those situations has allowed me and I would assume for yourself as well. So don't let me put words in your mouth. But at the same time, you you build relationships, you meet new people, you start to learn new things. Like you said, you're able to then question if something is, whether it resonates with you or not, right? You don't have to exactly agree with with you or with me, or, you know what I mean? but it allows you then to begin thinking for yourself, which you get that 
from being in those rooms. Yeah, you have to. Uh, um, and if, if all you ever feel is comfortable, you're not growing. And if you're not growing, why? Like, what are you doing? So I'll tell you really quickly. I, I think I've shared this with you, but maybe not. I've shared it in, in one of my compilation book chapters that when I was 17, I was an exchange student, went to Denmark. And while I was there, I mean, guess what? I didn't speak Danish. Okay. I went over there. I went over there because I emotionally needed to be in a different place. And, you know, being a teenager, there's a lot of challenges that can come up. And hey, my mom was an entrepreneur and she had her own exchange student business. And I said, Mom, I want to go be an exchange student and I want to go to Denmark and I want to go live with the family that their son had lived with us the year before, who, oh, by the way, he and I did not get along at all. But that was my fault. And I could look at it and own it was my fault. And it was my fault because he was hot. He was hot and I was very uncomfortable with this hot guy who walked around the house in his skivvies and he was just toned as could be. And all of my friends, the guys and the girls wanted to hang out with me to hang out with him. And so I went from being this shy wallflower to like the most popular girl in school of 2000 kids because of this guy that lived in. So anyway, I decided I'm going to go live in Denmark with this guy and his family. They're like, she wants to come here. Yes, she's welcome, but she wants to come here. So I get over there and I'm out one night with friends at a friend's house. And every and it's very common for the Europeans to just gather and hang out and talk and eat what we call charcuterie boards now, right? You know, they're just going to town on snacks and beverages. And and my friend's parents, both, a lot of Danes speak English today, but back then the parents didn't necessarily speak English. But my friend there, his parents did. They worked for the airlines and they spoke fluent English. And the dad says to me, Tammy, why are you sitting over here on the sidelines? Why are you sitting back here? Why are you not in the middle of the mix? And I said, well, I don't speak Danish. You know, I don't really, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm comfortable over here. It's, it's okay. I'm just happy to be here. He's like, nonsense. You need to get in there. He goes, first of all, they all speak English. But they are as uncomfortable speaking English around you as you are at attempting to speak Danish with them, I assure you. So so just know that just because you think you feel uncomfortable doesn't mean they don't feel uncomfortable too, even though this is their community. So just something to think about there. You can you everybody can be uncomfortable in the space, but the trick is one show up, right? So you show up. Second, he said. Do you really think you're going to get to the end of your life and be grateful you watched life go by? Or do you want to participate? Do you want to have experiences? Do you want to have an impact? Do you want people to remember you? Do you want do you, do you want people to care what you think? And, and he goes, because all those things inside your smart little head are irrelevant if they're just staying over here on the couch, not participating. And honestly, Randy, I'll, a lot of the things he said to me, oh my gosh, uncomfortable, uncomfortable. So one of the things people are very shocked to hear about me is I am an introvert. I am as introvert as they come. That does not mean I don't have the ability to be expressive or communicate or connect or hang out. I can do all those things. It's my recovery. It's like I get I get drained doing all of the engaging. I love it. I love people, but I get drained. So I did not necessarily incorporate everything that my friend's dad said to me in that moment, but I carried it with me. Okay. And I started stepping out and, and, and I started stepping out. Soon after that moment, I probably stepped into that conversation a little terrified, but, but I, 
he is in the back of my head every time I'm somewhere uncomfortable and I don't want to step up. And the truth is today it's easy. It's a muscle memory thing now, right? I don't even think about it, but it probably took me 10 years of going, you got to show up. You got to stand out. You got to engage. You can't receive without giving. We can't end this journey without making a difference and an impact. And and those people are interesting and I want to share in their interesting. And the only way they're going to see I'm interesting, like they're interesting is if I actually open my mouth and say something. You have to allow people to find what the common denominators you are that you, that you have with them in order for them to go, ooh, wait a second, you're cool. You're fascinating. You're powerful. You're valuable. But if you sit there as an unpolished stone on the side, they will never see you. So the only way you polish it is by getting out and getting scuffed up and buffed up and go, go, go. So you you have to participate as uncomfortable as it is. So I am so glad you chose to participate. I'm so glad you chose to show up. And the funny thing is, Randy, I remember that day. I would never tell anybody that that was your first time. I would never say you were a virgin attendee. I would never say that it was your, that you were sitting there uncomfortable with palmy, wet, slimy, sweaty, palmy hands and, and, and your nerves all for, I would never say any of those things because what you felt versus what I saw was I saw, oh, this is a really neat, nice guy with a great smile. He looks sharp. He's not from around here. It's his first time here. I wonder why. What are you doing here? What do you want? What do you want to have of this? What do you want to do next? How can I support you? Right? That's exactly how it was too. You start peppering me with all those questions, which, you know, obviously relaxed me instantly, right? Once I get beyond the questioning why and all that. And then it, it's been fantastic ever since, right? I mean, every time we get an opportunity to chat, I just look forward to, to seeing Tammy. Tammy is somebody <laughs> that I look forward to seeing along with everybody else. But at the same time, yeah, you were definitely welcoming to me. And so the idea that you've got to put yourself in those situations that at the moment, they will feel uncomfortable, but it's the opportunity cost of not putting yourself out there is really what's a shame. So that's what I see the most. Yes. And sure. every, it's so everybody, for everybody, it's them. What I would say, my, my analogy is, is like, when you show up in a room where you don't speak the language, just remember Tammy didn't speak Danish and survived, right? <laughs> so that's that's a great, you know, that's a thought, right? That's a great thought. Maybe folks can, can, and I will carry that with me, right? When you're feeling uncomfortable, it's even doing this podcast, right? Stepping out there, putting yourself out there, doing all those things. I mean, I get all those thoughts in my mind. What in the world am I doing? Why, you know what I mean? All of the normal things that somebody would have, but yeah, you just have to step into it, right? And understand that you'll learn, you'll grow. Uh, it's part of the process uh, and what good, and you start looking for the good that's actually going to come out of it versus thinking about all the bad for sure. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story. That's awesome. And this might go along with, with the next question, but the next question goes along uh, with what's been your greatest challenge. And can you think of, of that greatest challenge and what did you learn from that? Yeah. Um, so I, it, the, 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 these things do go kind of hand in hand. I would say, I had your questions in advance and I thought about this and the, I kept trying to find a different answer, but I keep coming back to one. So my greatest challenge was, you know, I already mentioned my father passed when I was 26 years old. That, that was my greatest challenge. My, my dad's, uh, my dad's death was a sudden unexpected suicide. And I was, my dad was, he was my everything. So I lost my brain trust, my confidant, one of my best friends, my dad, 
the granddad to my children. And it's, it's like when you, when you go through a tragic sudden loss, it, it impairs everything in you. You question everything in your life. And so I've told many people it's, it's not just suicides that rattle your world and, and shake you to your knees and, and create doubts and insecurities and brokenness and pain and grief that you wish on nobody, but any sudden tragic loss can have that effect. And I honestly didn't know what to do next. I had a job. I had, I had this job that I had literally asked for time off to spend with my dad prior to his death because I knew he wasn't well. I knew he wasn't well mentally. And but I still prayed for miracles. I still prayed for medication to work. I still prayed for doctors to to make a difference. I, I prayed for him to come. I lived, I lived in San Francisco, California at the time. And my dad loved, he in the military, he'd been stationed in Monterey for a bit for the language school. And he loved the West Coast. I prayed for him to come stay with me. And and he kept saying, I, I can't, I can't leave my job. They won't let me take a leave of absence. They won't let me leave work. Well, he's telling me he couldn't leave work. And my boss, I asked for time off. And I was, I was working at Price Waterhouse with merger with Coopers and Librand at the time. And the merger was underway. And my, I had a significant role with operations and for my division. And my boss was like, you can't take off. Too much is happening. Randy, I believed her. My dad believed his boss that he couldn't take off work. I changed a lot of my belief systems after my dad passed because you know what? My dad's company would rather he taken the time off work. They would have rather he left work. I, I didn't take the time off work to go spend a few days or a couple of weeks with my dad prior to his passing when I asked for it. But uh, when he died, I took three months off work and I went back to work. I walked into the office and nobody knew I'd been gone. Like my, my absence was irrelevant. Guess what? Everything that needed to be done by me was done by somebody else. They went on there. And, and, and that was such a wake up call to me that my life priorities are more important than my boss's priorities than my company's priorities, than independent third-party priorities. Like they, they are not the priority. And I ended up, I didn't go in there to quit that day, but I walked into my partner's office and sat down and talked and we had a great conversation. But right before I went into his office, I had been in the ladies room and there was a woman in there that I worked with. And she said, oh, wow, where have you been? One of my own team members didn't know why I had been gone for three months. And when I shared it with her, I, of course, was very sad again. But I also thought, how did this just happen? I've worked with these people for a lengthy amount of time. Nobody really knew. And part of it is nobody likes to talk about suicide, right? And nobody mm-hmm. and nobody likes to talk about tragedy, really, you know, whether it's cancer or a tragic car wreck or whatever. Like nobody really wants to talk about those things. But I needed to talk about those things at that time. And I was, I think you'd be surprised how much people need and want to talk and be heard and be seen and feel not alone and not ashamed of the tragedy that they're coping with and adjusting through. So I walked into my partner's office, we visited and he asked me, are you ready to come back to work? And I said, well, I came in here today, ready to go back to work. And instead I'm going to resign. And I left 
And I, that's when I, I had already been flipping properties. I'd already been doing some stuff with real estate. And uh, this is 1999. Okay. So this is life before HGTV, life before the internet, <laughs> telling you how to do everything. No chat GPT to coach you a thousand ways on how to turn something into money. Uh, and I said, I'm walking away. You know why? Because I had a four-year-old daughter. I was a single parent, four-year-old daughter, and I was working 70 to 90 hours a week, traveling extensively. And I had just missed the opportunity to spend the most precious time with my dad. And I was not about to ever be told. This was where freedom was very important to me. I was never going to be told again how and when I could choose to love my family. And I walked away. Yeah, powerful. And I want to circle back to that freedom, right? The freedom that's something that you and I wholeheartedly believe in, right? I've had loss in my family as well, which led me to seek freedom as well. I think a lot of folks these days are struggling with with the decisions like what you're talking about, thinking that they're tied to a job or a situation. It may not be a job, but a situation that if they only knew different ways, right? Different potential ideas to question kind of goes back to the first idea that we talked about, be able to question things, critically think. So let me just put a, a little bow on that for now, but let's definitely circle back to that freedom question because I want to move on to the, the third question because it's I'm super passionate as, about it as well. I've got young children in my life, my kids, right? I know you do as well. So what passion of mine is helping that generation that's really coming up, let's say, you know, in that early 20s, they're really just trying to figure things out, figure life out. You've obviously shared a lot of nuggets of wisdom with us so, so far, right? But can you think of anything? It's like, I know you've got a son. He's a sophomore in high school. Is there anything that you wish you would have known back in that early 20s-ish age that, you know, the experience that you've you've gotten now, something maybe that you're sharing right now with your kids too? Is there something that you could share? I would, my children would probably tell you the piece of advice I share most frequently is make the hard choice. And what I mean by that is... Every choice we have in our life leads to a result or a circumstance or a situation that leads to a new series of choices, okay? And I always say life is a series of intentional or accidental events. Which one are you going to make it, okay? Mm -hmm. Also knowing that you can make a bad choice and adjust, right? You can plan the perfect plan and then God can laugh on you and you can adjust, Okay. Well, most importantly, I'd say make the hard choices and know that the choices that you make in that moment are that moment's choice. They are not a permanent choice and that you are going to fail more than you feel comfortable with. And that is a blessing in disguise because if you got it all right, you wouldn't really know how to make better decisions ultimately in the long. And so I think it's better to make more choices faster and fail forward younger so that you can be more discerning as you progress and you can climb higher mountains easier. But if you make the hard, if you make the easy choice, you're like, eh, I can make the hard choice and do the extra work and it's going to get me here. Or I can make the easy choice and I'm not going to get as much, but I'm going to get here. Right. And so, so I'm going to, I'm going to scale that mountain, but I'm only, I'm, the hard choices, I'm going to go halfway up. The easy choices, I'm going to go up the back way an easier path, and it's going to take me up a train a third of the way up, and it's going to take me longer, but it's easier. I'm not saying never enjoy the easy choices. You know, like one of the analogies I give my kids is you can eat the cookies, but you have to do the workouts. 
<laughs> and in your 20s, you can eat all the cookies you want right. without as many workouts. Right. But if you keep eating all the cookies the easy way without the discipline of the workout to go with it, in your 40s and 50s, you can't eat one cookie and you still have to work out five times more. And so, sometimes the weight still doesn't come off. <laughs> right, right. But, but if you have the, the discipline and the habits, like you can have your cake and eat it too. You can. You just have to do the work, right? You have to do the work. Have the depth behind the choices. Have the weight of the impact. Have a clear vision of what's the desired outcome and don't have the desired outcome be I want a delicious cookie. Have it be... You know, I, I want a great body and a great mind, and I'm going to allow myself to have cookies along the way, but I'm going to be strategic and smart. And maybe I want to know 20, maybe I want to be an expert on cookies. So I want to try 20 different cookies over the course of the year. Great, fine. But have the discipline to balance the cookie with the, the workouts and the water and the vegetables. And so I'm using food analogy just because it's relatable to everybody, but it's, you know, my kids and I have this conversation all the time. My son is incredibly gifted, incredibly intelligent, and he was born with the personality of how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. Okay, like that child can charm anybody and everybody. And he also has an incredible gift of like he asks for things. He man manifestations, the word I was looking for. He manifests things like nobody. I know. Okay. And I have told him he's not the first person in my family to see with these incredible superpowers. Unfortunately, person in my family is a brother who has a lot of mental health and emotional issues because he didn't learn how to use his superpowers for good. And he was overindulgent and indulged in poor choices and it's led to a very hard life. And so they get to see firsthand, I made tough choices. You know, I made very tough choices and, um, and I've created a freedom factor for myself where I get to choose. Like I get to choose. Nobody has to choose for me. And I get choices that I like to get to choose, right? 20, 30 years ago, the choices I didn't always like, but you keep making good choices and the harder choices. And it does create the easier life. You make the hard, you make the simple, easy choices. You will create a harder life. So that's what I would tell my 20 year old self. Well said. So I want to kind of, kind of weave. So all three of those questions kind of weave all together into this freedom. You just mentioned the freedom factor, right? You, so going back to the first question, as far as the uh, your ability to question things and your personal development and stepping out into uncomfortable situations and then dealing with the situation with your father and then having jobs, you know, restrictions on your time that were keeping you from obviously a very important event that hindsight, right, was a very important event to then making these choices, right? Because that's all life is, is making certain choices. We're all presented with ideas, opportunities, right? It's having the discipline to understand what a good decision versus a, or to at least understand what the potential outcomes to those decisions are, right? So freedom and freedom factor to you. you. You've mentioned that now. So can you describe what that means to you as far as how you've taken the stacking of these three questions, right? And how you've lived your life now and maybe share some inspiration with how can folks start thinking differently to possibly get some different reactions or different um, outcomes with these decisions that they're making. 
um, yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So for me, the freedom factor is being able to do what you want, when you want, where you want, with whom you want, how you want, right? And um, that doesn't mean it has to be a million dollar experience on a multi-billion dollar yacht served by, you know, waiters and hosts and caviar and champagne. That's, you know, everybody has a different definition of what their freedom looks like. And so I always tell people, you have to decide what is it that you want on your terms, right? So one of the things that's very, has been very, very non-negotiable for me to have on my terms is, is a my children to have access to me when they need me. That was my first line freedom factor decision. So I went from working long hours, traveling where my daughter, who was four years old, would stay weeks at a time with my parents in Texas. She was actually in Texas when my father passed. And I had just left her there for the summer. And she was going to be with grandma and grandpa, right? And cousins. And so um, I had, I would leave her with people. She would stay with her dad periodically. She'd stay with my sister, my boyfriend. Like I felt like I was pawning her off. And even though I was, when I was with her, I was a hundred percent present and the world's best mom, but I didn't, I didn't have control over the decisions of the when that was. So when I walked away from the job, it was because no, like I said, I, I needed to control the when, right? How, how my time is utilized and prioritized. And I, I didn't have money lined up. I didn't have funding lined up for real estate deals. I didn't ha- I mean, I had enough of a nest egg. I knew I could leave and have room to pay the bills or whatever. But I literally was like, okay, what am I going to do next? I was 26 years old, four-year-old daughter. Um, I had just bought my first house to live in, um, in California. That was not cheap, <laughs> you know? So I was like, huh? Okay, but I just believed. So one was I just believed anything's possible. And part of that was, again, I'd been raised with Jim Rohn and Zig Ziglar in my head, and I was dancing with Tony Robbins on the side. And so it's like, okay, anything's possible. I can do anything I want to do. And I truly believe that. Um, I, I would say, if anything, I haven't dreamed big enough, fast enough, early mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. If anything, I would just dream enough. I would just go, oh, I just need this and I'm good, right? Um, And I have been so blessed with the opportunities to, I have never missed anything that my children wanted or needed me at. And and it doesn't mean I've stopped traveling. I I travel, I, I go speak places, I run events, I go to things I need to go to, professional conferences, uh, you know, mastermind groups, whatever. So, and, and they all know that they all, and they know I'm going to have like, Zoom calls like this or meetings, or I might have evening meetings, or when I was still selling real estate, I might have to go show houses in the evening or weekend. But I'll tell you one thing my children absolutely knew. I promised them, like they did not interrupt me. I said, if you understand that when I am busy on a phone call or with a work matter, that those people I've committed to be present for them, I promise you that when I'm with you, I will be present with you. And I have done that, right? And I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is they think that their call, their work call is so busy that at dinner, they'll pick up the phone and say, this is a, this is a critical call. I got to take this. No, it's not your family. There's nothing more critical and important than your legacy. And your legacy is defined by the people who love you most, not people are doing transactional experiences with you. Everything. I learned this. Everything can wait. It can wait 30 minutes. It can wait three days. It can wait three months. 
right? You don't know what the weight is, but I promise you that if you've blocked out time for dinner with your family or a movie or whatever it is, you cannot cheat them at that time. Because I promise you, if you were in a work thing, you wouldn't answer the phone for them. Very true. And there, and I pretty much have a rule when I do business people, there's one part, there's like two people, my son's the minor. So my daughter doesn't interrupt me as much, but there are two people that if I see that they're trying to reach me more than once, and they know I'm busy, I am going to take their call because that's, they're my rocks. They're, they're, they're the non-negotiable rocks in my life. And, and I, and they know they can depend on me to be available or, or get what they need when they need it. So, and guess what? They don't interrupt me. They don't disrupt me. And if you play this right, if you set the expectations and you reciprocate and respond with what you promised both ways, they won't abuse it. But your clients and people you do business with most likely will abuse you if you allow them to. So I try and teach people no. So that's so I define freedom by managing expectations on how I show up and when I'm going to show up, knowing uh, the, what my rocks are. You know, and I do the same with my calendar. I time block my calendar. I, I kind of start doing my goal setting and business planning in November every year. And I, I put I put all the birthdays, all the vacations, all the like I like to take time off. So guys, you know, I like to take Fridays. I don't allow anything to be booked on my schedule on Friday afternoons so that I can like we booked this for a Friday afternoon because I wanted to, I was like, oh, that's something I want to do and I'm gonna make time for and do it at a time I won't be interrupted by anything else and nothing else is a priority. And I, and my son's at school, so let's do that, right? But I, I tend to not book Friday afternoons with business things unless I'm traveling for business. So I, so that's, and that's not a lot, but I, I block time out for things. I, I take the month of December and allow very little on my calendar to be put on my calendar that's not a must do. It doesn't mean I'm not still doing some work or some calls or things. But I don't allow much like December, it's a combination of there's a lot of birthdays, including my own in the month of December with my family. My So from Thanksgiving to New Year's, it's like family first for me. And that's just, again, for me, it's family is my first priority. That is my freedom factor is my family. But there's other things like I've created enough wealth where I can make those choices, right? And, and that's been through a combination of active and passive investing in real estate and businesses. And so you, you have to strategize, okay, like, what is my why? My why is my family, right? And my why is that I don't ever want my family to have to take care of me. But I want to enjoy, I don't want to wait till I'm 65 to enjoy life. I've been enjoying life since I was 26, being available for my kids anytime I decided that was the priority. So I made that choice. And then it was put the tools in place to make the investments that, you know, be disciplined in the savings. And so I could do the investments along the way. And so as you get older, obviously, typically people's income improve, increases over the years. And so then you have more discretion. But you you have to think, what is my desired outcome? How, what what do I want my portfolio to look like? And you need to start asking that question today. And hopefully today you're 20. And if you're not 20, you still do it today. Okay. Today's the day. Today, but, but you have, you know, so wherever you are, it is never too late to start deciding what does my portfolio need to look like to allow me to retire from the have to work, right? 
I will never quit working because I love working. I love engagement. I love, but, but working is not work for me. Working is a pleasure because I get to engage with people. I get to create things. I get to put opportunities together. Uh, and I can't imagine never doing that, but I also get to do it how and when I want. I'm not a slave to it. I don't have to work seven days a week, but some weeks I do because it's two hours here, two hours there. And I can't turn off the brainstorming. I love doing that. So it's like, oh, all of a sudden I have an idea. I start journaling about it, writing about it, mapping it out, you know? So I never tell myself, I'm never limited to what I, when I can work. It's more important to me that I define when my freedom is, but it's also when I'm at the beach, if I get a great idea, watching something happen on the beach, it stimulates a thought. I'm immediately putting some notes together on that. But I do it in five minutes. It's like, do it now, be done, go be present, right? 100%. So great answer. It, yeah, it's so a it's, lifestyle. It's a lifestyle, not a diet, not a plan, not a work. It's a lifestyle. It's a choice. So you you took the choice of the beginning for the family, right? So your family is your your rock, as you said. Yeah. And then everything else around that is evolved based on your your foundation of your family. And then you plug in the pieces and parts that give you the lifestyle to support your main foundation is, is kind of my big takeaway. Is that, would you say that that's. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you, you've probably heard this. I won't tell the whole story, but you know that unless you want to, and if you want to fill it in either way, but you know, the story about the professor who walks into his class and on his table, he has a pile of, of stones and then some smaller rocks and then some pebbles and then some sand and some water. And he's going to, he's like, how are we going to fill how am I going to put all this into the vase? You know, and so you've got an empty vase there. Well, you cannot start with the water or the sand. You'll never get the rocks in. And the whole point is you have to start all of your plans in your life with your rocks. So I tell people the most important thing you can ever do is sit down on a piece of paper and draw seven rocks and name them. And, and those are the most important things to you. Now, for some people, it could be their pets. It could be their parents. It could be their children. It could be vacation. You could say, hey, I love the vacation. I want a vacation 12 times a year. Okay, fine. That's your rock, right? Or maybe you want to write books and you want to publish six books a year. Okay, six books. That's one of your rocks. Okay, but if you are not very clear what your rocks are and you always focus on, on the water and the sand, which are the most abundant fluid things that keep showing up the 80, 20 rule, right? If you keep playing with the water and the sand, you will never make time for the rocks. So identify the rocks very clearly. And then you start figuring out, okay, what are the, what are the smaller stones? What are the pebbles? And then you start realizing everything else is irrelevant. Like you don't have time for those things because if you break your day, if you, if you take where you are today in your life and I'm 50. And if I say, uh, and I have plans to live another 49 and a half years, but I have a very clear vision on this, but I have a very clear vision on this, right? It's like, okay, well, if I've got, let's just round up 50 more years, five days a week, five hours a day, you start doing all the math of, or, or what's even available. Okay. Let's use, let's say there's 10 hours a day available to be productive in some way. And that includes joy eating, work, travel, you know, we haven't, we're not account for sleeping, but just the things you do when you're awake, I cook. Do you know, I figure out there's some nights, it takes me three hours from the time I start prepping and cooking and 
and preparing everything and eating it and cleaning it. I'm in the kitchen for three hours, but I enjoy it. Right. It's It's like, Oh wow. Well, there's three hours of my day. Boom. (laughs) Three out of 24 hours. This is sixth of eighth of my day. It's an eighth of my day, you know? So, so you have to think, okay, how much time do I have? And if I don't make a list of what my rocks are and know how much time I'm willing to give my rocks versus the everything else, you will not have time for the rocks. You just won't. Like one of my goals, Randy, is I've been, and I, it hit me today for some reason, it smacked me today. I really want to write a book for my kids. That's just for my kids. And like the thousand things I'm never going to remember to tell you while I'm talking to you. So, you know, just things for my kids. And I'm like, I just have to get it done. I just like, so right now that's one of my goals. In the next three months, I'm going to write this book that I've been thinking about forever for my kids. And I like, I have to get it done. I just have to get it. Cause I don't know, even though I have plans to be here 49 and a half more years, I don't know what God's plan is. Right. So. Right. That's, so that becomes a rock. Right? It's a rock. So be, yeah. Or a decision that you're going to step into that, but you've built the lifestyle and the freedom to be able to do that without much disruption of the other rocks that you have in your life, right? Of all the yeah. other important things. So that's, oh, yeah. I love the, I'm, I'm a visual person. So you, that was great for me to kind of see that as you were taking that through that story. So that's fantastic. I yeah. definitely appreciate you sharing that. Absolutely. So you, you have the ability to help people. So as I've journeyed into the entrepreneurial world, right? You start realizing that there's opportunities and things really everywhere, but okay. you don't really understand when you're, at least let me just put myself in that. You don't really understand when you're working for somebody, what skills you actually have that are actually valuable in the marketplace, right? Jim always talks, Jim Rohn always talks about you need to become valuable in the marketplace if you actually want to make money, right? That really comes down to, and we were talking about this earlier about people discovering what their true genius is, right? And getting in flow, getting in the idea of really just enjoying things. So you're working. It's like you said, you're working, but you're not working because you enjoy the processes. I'm not saying you do, every, you know, not 100% of the time, but I would say the vast majority of it, you're in flow. Even like this, with you and me, with this discussion, discussion, am I, am I quote unquote working? Yeah, kind of. But at the same time, I'm having a blast. This is so much fun. So yeah. is it really work, right? So my question is, you've got a great ability to help people kind of discover what their zone of genius really is. Can you kind of go into that a little bit more if people are really struggling? With, what, what am I going to do if I decide I'm going to leave this job or if I want to determine like, this is my new rock, but how do I decide those things? Can, can you give- Yeah, the genius zone exercises are really great and different people have different approaches on it. Um, I talk about this with my mastermind group and I, I do think that um, I'll go through a couple of the, the conversations we have on the genius zone. Okay. So what I tell people is you need to go make a list of all the things that you think you're really good at. Then you need to go ask five people, you know, to tell you what are the top five things that they think you're great at. Okay. And, and go ask people who are going to be honest with you and not just not just to fill your ego, people who are going to be honest and tell you what you're really good at. I mean, there's a lot of tests you can take about, you know, disc profiles and Clifton Strength Finders, Myers-Briggs, right? Okay. And all, I, I truly love all of those tests. I, I am a fan, Enneagrams, any of that. I think it's helpful to really understand your psyche. Okay. And, but my exercise is this, you go write down five things, 10 things, whatever, 
sometimes one guy he and I were talking I said just 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 write down the things that you are great at. You know, you're great at, like if somebody were going to hire you, they would pay you for that. You're that's because you're good at it. Right. Go ask other people. Okay. Now go write down 10 things. And I would say you write down 10 things that you love doing. And I don't care if it has anything to do with what you're, what you're skilled at, what you're good at. Okay. So you might say you're great at math. Okay. You're great at financial analysis. You're great at raising capital. You're great at words. You're great with words. You could write beautiful copy, impactful copy, whatever. Okay. So, but then what you love doing, you might tell me you love cooking. I love cooking, right? So you might say, I love cooking. I love gardening. I love traveling. Uh, I love reading. I love writing. I love doing financial analysis. What so I don't want your list of what you are what you love doing to necessarily be a job thing. It's a lifestyle thing. What is it in your life that you absolutely love that it makes you feel good, it makes you happy, it brings you joy. I don't care if you get to do it once a year or every day. We'd like think about what are the 10 things you just love doing. So then once you have those two lists and you have feedback from the other people around you, compile and look and see where you can draw common denominators, okay? And look and see where where lines connect and go, okay, like I'm really good at deal analysis or financial analysis. I'm really good at, at numbers. I'm really good at connecting with people. Well, to me, uh, and, and then say so you love investing in real estate then one of your genius zone activities could be capital raising. Your genius zone ultimately is doing what you are good at and love doing. And I understand this too. If you're good at it, you don't have to be great at it. You're good at it and you love it. You can improve that skill. You can, you don't even have to get 10,000 hours. I, and I believe in the 10,000 hour rule, but I believe there's ways to hijack the 10,000 hours from other experts that you surround yourself with. Skip the line. Find other people to partner with and do things with together. But if you're great at, if you love it and you and you have skill, you can improve the skill. Um, can you monetize it? Okay. What can you do to monetize what you're good at and you love doing and the thing that you make money, the thing that you make money at, the problem that most people do is they end up doing the tasks. They do the transactional, not the transformational. When you are in your genius zone, you are working on the transformational elements of your life, other people's lives, and your business. And you are doing the 20% that creates 80% of the impact and the wealth. But it's really easy spend all of our 80% of our time on the 20% that matters. It matters 20%, right? The weight of it's minimal, but we spend 80% of our time on it. So back to influencers, Brian Tracy, his book, Eat That Frog. Mm -hmm. If there's, if there's stuff, okay, let's just say you have figured out your genius zone, but your ego says, Ooh, ah, really? Can we claim that? I don't know. I mean, I feel uncomfortable. I don't know that I want to be in that limelight. I don't, and I don't want to call myself a genius in this space. Oh, get over it. Life is too short. Nobody else is going to call you a genius. You might as well call yourself one and embrace it, right? You have unique, magical talents and skills that were given to nobody else. 
but you, you've got this perfect combination of skills and passion and ability and ability to monetize that is packaged for you in with one pretty bow. Own it and love it and embrace it because the law of abundance and attraction says you have to embrace it to have it and to get more of it. If you reject it, it will leave you. So when people tell me that they've knocked on doors and that the door keeps shutting, well, push it open and walk in the room like it's yours to own. Because that's just us getting in our own way most of the time. I don't know. Hope that helps. Yeah. Well, it it helps me even, (laughs) right? We need to talk more. So you can pump me full of that goodness, right? Those ideas, those thoughts. So as, you know, ideas and things are firing all the time, right? And so then trying to stay in your zone of genius to focus on the 20%, that's going to affect the 80%, right? Yeah. Once again, being a visual, you know what I mean? I, I see that in my mind and I need to get better clarity even for my own self. So I know that the listener out there is like the mic drop right there. Boom. Because <laughs> that was fantastic. So if folks out there are like, okay, Tammy, she knows what she's talking about. We need to figure out more. How how do I get connected more with Tammy? Where do I learn more about this genius zone? How can I figure out my freedom factor? Randy, help me. Tell me more. <laughs> where should we send Thank them, Tammy? You. Where can they, yeah, That's where can they learn you. more about you? Yeah, so I'm on all the social media platforms, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, everywhere. Tammy Thrasher Mitchell uh, is is or Tammy Thrasher, I think some are Tammy Thrasher, but they're not a lot. So Tammy Thrasher or Tammy Thrasher Mitchell. Um, I'm at Tammy Thrasher at gmail.com is a great way to email me very easy way to find me. I do have a mastermind group. It is it is called the Freedom Factor Mastermind. Um, and uh, we have actually been closed, not open for enrollment, but we will be again in May. So uh perfect timing if people are interested and 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 we're actually probably after this we'll probably go to a a, yeah so open to new prospects if they're interested in a mastermind and it's easy it's it's low it's it's a couple of times a month for an hour and i i find that the people that are in there um i mean we're all just people we're all just human like and I'm the accountability factor, right? And and the truth is like, we want one and we hate it at the same time. Sure. We all want accountability and we all, all cringe right. at it. But I'm, I'm not here to guilt anybody into anything. We're all on our own paths. We all have to decide what results we want, but I'm going to ask the questions, right? And I'm going to give the content and the, the ideas and the inspiration to do more, faster, smarter, create that freedom factor by by defining it, like really define and design the freedom factor of your life. And so that's, those, those are great ways for if people want to connect with me. Um, I appreciate it. I mean, I've just enjoyed our conversation. I just felt like it was a chat. And again, hopefully people enjoy it and can benefit from it as well. Yeah. So that's uh, with the goal with the podcast is to keep it very conversational. I knew this would be a great one from the very beginning and it, and it, left me speechless many times with the nuggets of wisdom that you shared. Uh, Hopefully folks that you will go back, re-listen to this one, share it with folks that need to hear the message that Tammy shared with us today. Uh, Sprinkled full of ideas, different things you could think about, different ways to really take control of your life. The idea is to take control of your life and it starts with your decisions. It starts with the way you're thinking, your critical thinking, which will lead to your decision-making, which will lead then to your, your actions, which will lead then to your 
response. I mean, it just, it, it's a snowball, but it starts with the thinking part. Yeah. So Tammy, I really, truly appreciate your time. I know this was a Friday, a free Friday for you. And you, you spent your time with me and I, I truly don't take that for granted. And I really appreciate your time. Hopefully you'll maybe uh, come back with us here uh, in the future for another episode. It would be my pleasure. Thank you. Awesome. So folks go out there, make it a great day. I look forward to connecting with you all, all again very soon. And until the next episode, bye now. Thank you for joining me on the Rich Mind Podcast. I hope you found a ton of value in this episode. If so, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. And you can also share it with your family and friends. And as my mentor Jim Roden shared with me, in order to have more, you must first become more. And in order to become more, you must work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So go out there today and work harder on yourself to become more and build the life of your dreams. Until next time, my friends. Thank you.